0: How's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey,
1: what's up, everyone? This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Thanks
0: a lot for joining us. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. We're really excited today because we're going to be doing a spotlight on female video game composers. Today's episode is titled Girl Power. Yeah, so
1: one of the reasons we wanted to do this is because it's just a great... I guess gimmick, it's a great excuse to just play some of the best, most classic video game music ever composed. Um, One really interesting thing historically about video game music is that in the early days, you know, kind of the most classic era, the 8-bit and the 16-bit era. Arguably, it was dominated by female composers right. in a lot of ways, which the reason why that's so special is because if you're talking about other kinds of music, film music, rock music, popular music, that's usually not the case. Right. Um, so that's why I think that's something that's so special unique and specific to video game music. It's really um, part of the tradition. It's an important thing to talk about, so we're really excited to focus on some of these legendary female composers today. Well, yeah,
0: something that's just kind of unfortunate about the history of music, and especially if you look at the history of classical music, it's primarily sort of a boys club, and a lot of that has to do more with uh, women's rights uh, throughout history and um, just you know, not being allowed to compose music back in the classical era, or if they would compose, they'd have to do it under like an alias or give the music to a male. So there's a Mm -hmm. a lot of things where it's like, um, it just sort of wasn't possible. But what I love is, yeah, that's something so cool that video games are able to own. Whenever people badmouth video games as being sort of like degrading to women and this is one aspect this is that was aspect fairly pr- progressive absolutely. You know? um, one
1: thing that's so cool uh, something I want to talk about um, you know we had fun with the title calling it girl power today but but one thing that I think is so cool about this episode in general when you're talking about these classic composers is um, I think what's different than something like pop music where whether or not you're uh, a male or female you're gonna have that different lens that different perspective that you're bringing into it you're not gonna hear that so much today what's right. so cool is it's not like we're gonna be be talking about the feminine perspective on video game we're yeah. just going to be talking about composition just video game music it doesn't really matter whether yeah they're male what's or interesting
0: female. is like we we talk about context about when we create our playlists uh how it makes you think about it but this is an episode you know yeah we're not really going to be looking at what gender is their, doesn't really yeah, matter what is their gender in the effect in their composition it doesn't really matter because like carl said when we some of the best video game music a lot of the best video mm-hmm. game music has been composed yeah, by and, female game composers. And,
1: and, and one of the things we're going to do is is uh, we're, we have 21 tracks today and not counting the play-in, we're going to be focusing on one composer each. So we're not going to be doing like five tracks from one composer. All these different composers and we're going to kind of be talking about what are they most known for, what are their most famous series. And some of these people are just so influential yeah. to video game music and the series they worked on were so huge.
0: Well, and there um, were they played big roles in the development studios as yeah. well. It's something I gotta Say, is just you know, if you look at this playlist, I mean, primarily a lot of the music that we play on the show is composed by Japanese uh, musicians, yes. But the thing that's interesting is when we're looking at today's episode, I feel like it's almost more skewed in that direction, yeah. Which kind of leads all me but to believe one, that actually, all but one
1: are, are Japanese, yeah. we well, only have one Western it, composer. What
0: it today. leads me to believe is that you know, in Japan, they were a little bit more progressive with having, you know, female uh, composers. And so I think that's something that's interesting because I don't often think we look at like Japan as being like, incredibly progressive in that way. But, you know, when you compare it to America, there's still, there's not that many female mm-hmm. film composers. Absolutely. I can't think of a lot of American female video game composers. Yeah, that's a so very good point. That's something that's so cool about it Japan. It was this
1: nice tradition in Japan. Another thing I want to mention is, today, it's, it's all about the classic video game music, folks. We're going to be playing a lot of 8-bit and a lot of 16-bit music. We're not going to be playing much modern stuff because what I would say is, you know, once a lot of these classic composers... Retired, And that happened in the late 90s, early 2000s. Some of them are still active, but a lot of them are not. Uh, You really didn't see as much of this. And like Will said, you still don't see this almost at all over here in the Western side of things. So if you're talking about modern video game music, that's really not where a lot of these classic female composers are as active.
0: And I think that's an unfortunate thing. You know, that one of the things that I do feel bad about video game music is I wish that modern game music would have evolved a little bit more Mm -hmm. out of the style stuff Mm -hmm. and by that i mean like and you see it with in some cases you know people who have been around since the 8 and 16 bit era now working on modern game scores but A lot of times I feel like they're hiring composers from film and TV to just work on video games. And the unfortunate thing is you're kind of losing the culture that was developed by all these sound designers and game composers through the 80s and 90s. And with that brings all of this diversity in background and obviously gender diversity, which is something that I really hope... uh, video games don't really lose. So what you guys
1: heard playing in with today was a Manami Matsume composition from the original Mega Man. That was Cut Man's stage. Let's talk about Manami and Matsume. Let's talk a little bit about her. She's the only composer today where we're actually going to feature two tracks, because we're going to play a track in earnest that we'll talk about later on. But Manami Matsume, wow, really one of the most influential, huge, not just female, but video game composers ever. She was obviously famous for the first Mega Man soundtrack, and she also did um, sound effects for Mega Man 2, a lot of people don't know that, right. so just really important um, kind of establishing did, the traditions. Uh, work with the
0: yep. She with Takashi Tatechi on that one with Airman. of Airman yeah. stage.
1: Uh, also, she did the music for UN Squadron, also known as Area 88, which you know how we feel about that, guys. Yeah, Minami Matsume favorites. is
0: a fantastic video game composer. She has a wonderful gift for Melody, and something that I'd recommend you check out, I think we tweeted about this a while ago, mm-hmm. but you can go look at our posts on our Facebook page and find a link to to this uh interview that was done with her for the upcoming mighty number nine project the sort of uh it's the game that's being made by the original Mega Man creators and she's doing the music along and it's with Takashi Natasha yeah.
1: yeah so will's gonna probably next week on show and tell he might he might play that right. but she also did magic sword she was a member of the original Alf Leela the Capcom in-house band so yeah that's Minami let's move on now though and we're gonna start things off today with a track by Mickey Higashino a classic Konami composer that is known primarily for her work on the Gradius series we're gonna play a track from life force also known as Salamander, and we're going to play the arcade version. She also worked on the very first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. She also worked on the Sweet Codin series later right. on. But yeah, this is Life Force. Let's play a track called Burn the Wind.
0: listening to burn the wind from life force composed by mickey higashino this is a wonderful composition and i love her style of writing you know so signature there's a little bit of like Obviously, it's very kind of rocking and modern, but I feel like you get almost like that kind of Baroque type of counterpoint that we hear mm-hmm. so often in early video game music. Very purposeful writing. It's yeah. not random
1: at all. She's putting a lot of thought behind this. Yeah, yeah. It's she sort was of like trained. It's like call
0: and response, but mm-hmm. then it works as melody and counter melody also. It's yeah, really cool. I would
1: say the majority of these composers today were classically trained. They went to school for this, actually, which uh-huh. is kind of interesting. Yeah. Some of these are, are people that just kind of developed it on their own, but a lot of these people were
0: classically trained. Yeah. I I really love seeing sort of the classical, I guess, Western music influence in uh, a lot of these composers, and like how you're mentioning how they were so well educated in music theory. But I also love, you know, they're they're creating their own sort of territory, their mm-hmm. own musical space, and it's sort of a collective space that a lot of video game composers work in. And there's yeah. m- male and female video game composers that all sort of contribute to this. kind of unified sound when we think of old video game music and how there's so many uh, traditions and so many similarities. Um, That's what I think is really interesting is you have people who are very well educated in music theory but then you have people who aren't and are sort of going by ear Mm -hmm. and they're all able to sort of exist in that space and contribute. And it, it's, it's this kind of beautiful collective thing that I yeah, really I, love.
1: I really like the arcade version of this soundtrack. We played a long time ago some of the NES tracks from Life Force. I actually kind of prefer the arcade version. It's nice to hear the the all the channels are panned in a certain way so you can really pick yeah. out the melody and the harmony. Yeah, and that exactly. counterpoint is more active
0: in, in this way. So Yeah, something that I love about this Life Force soundtrack is Mickey Higashino does such a wonderful job of using the music to sort of paint a picture of the environment. Mm -hmm. It gives you a very sense of sort of high flying there's a sense of altitude that is conveyed in so many ways part of it in this one it's conveyed by the ascending lines but i remember uh when we that first life force check that there's that sort of like sense of flying that we talked about how it was able to be captured and yeah and this game also
1: was also worked on by other composers such as hidenori miyazawa but we do know that this particular track was composed by miki higashino and that's something else i want to talk about is a lot of these composers were really famous for their collaborations where they worked with a bunch of people, but some of those soundtracks, it's hard to know which track was that specific composer. Right. So what we try to do for almost all of these, these are solo composed soundtracks, unless we were able to find proper crediting. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of great things. Something like, let's say, Breath of Fire classic soundtrack, right. but it's hard to know who did what track. So- well, and
0: even something like you know, super Metroid where yeah. you have those two working together. Uh, but you luckily know, for
1: that, we did have crediting. Well,
0: yeah. And the thing is also, we want to do something very uh, classic from these composers repertoire. We don't want to do something kind of obscure. Mm-hmm. We want to show them in their prime. So. Yeah. Uh, with some few, with a few exceptions today so now let's move on to
1: gargoyle's Quest 2 and this was a soundtrack that was composed uh, for the NES by Yuki Oai one of my favorites uh, this is a soundtrack that oh man I was so impressed with when I first heard this we've played a couple tracks from this let's play something we haven't played so far this is Gaza Crevasse from Gargoyle's Quest 2 <laughs> track, you're listening to Gaza Crevasse from Gargoyle's Quest 2 for the NES, composed by the wonderful Yuki Owai, and I just want to mention a couple of the soundtracks she's known for. She did Mega Man X with a bunch of people, but she did Mega Man X2 all by herself, so that was a, a solo soundtrack that I'm a really big fan of. We, we went with this soundtrack today for her, but she also did Final Fight 2, and she did a lot of the Versus series, so like X-Men versus Street Fighter. Right. She worked on some of the later uh, games in that series as well, but... Wow, what a talent.
0: Yeah, this is a wonderful track. And again, this gets back to what we're talking about of the classical music influence in video games. And the Gargoyles uh, Quest soundtrack very heavily is doing this. Um, mm-hmm. It's something we kind of get with a lot of those more spookier medieval kind of soundtracks where they're really trying to sound like classical music. And it's very economical for 8-bit music, because so much of, you know, if you're listening to Baroque or classical music, like all of the Bach inventions and, and stuff where the part writing is actually featuring a limited number of voices at one time, but they're able to convey such a lush sense of moving harmony and, and things. And it's something that's, you know, it's both economical, but it's also very sophisticated and it paints a huge sort of musical picture. Let's move on now.
1: Now we're going to play a track from Soyo Oka, which uh, she, was an, she was a composer that worked at Nintendo and really was able to do some of the, the big kind of side games in the Mario series. You know, obviously Koji Kondo was the primary Mario composer, but anytime Nintendo in this era made something like a spin off game, something like Mario Kart or All Star, something like that, she would be the one who would do the music. And she also did the music for other games such as Pilot Wings, City. She worked on Wario's Woods. We're going to play a track from Super Mario Kart. Such a revolutionary title. This was the first game in this kart. pretty much created the kart genre, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, so it's this funny is, that
0: they call that a genre now. When yeah. It really is just Mario Kart. This
1: is Super Mario Kart, and we're going to play Koopa Beach composed by Soyo Oka. piece of music. This is by Soyo Oka. You're listening to Koopa Beach from Super Mario Kart for the SNES. This is probably one of the strongest pieces of music Melodically in this soundtrack We contemplated either doing this or Rainbow Road Which we actually haven't played that original Rainbow Road yet on the podcast But this one, it's so undeniable It's just, you can't not love this piece It's so Mario-ish
0: Well, yeah, Soyo Oka is just really one of those composers Who's so influenced by uh, the work of Koji Kondo Because like you said she really, a lot of her assignments, especially in the earlier days, were working on in the Mario series, mm-hmm. even as a spin-off game. And something that I think is so important is she really did start to establish the style of Mario Kart music, how it's going to be similar to the games and how it's going to be different. And what I think is interesting is the choice that she made was sort of uh, capturing almost more authentically the influences of Koji Kondo's music mm-hmm. so you know how showtime. he's inspired the by, old show tune stuff yeah exactly and how he's so inspired by Latin music mm-hmm. she really kind of goes all out with that stuff and her gift of melody is incredible it's something that I wanted to talk about she's a composer I would love for us to do a spotlight in the yeah. future because she's also done like pilot wings and other things that she did City, which mm-hmm. I love but All Stars her work on All Stars is so interesting and I kind of I don't know there's a lot I've listened to that soundtrack so much and I've thought a lot about it because the thing that I notice is she almost gets better as the soundtrack goes on. Right. And by better, so one, I mean two she's three. more faithful to the originals. And I, mm-hmm. I suspect that... She may have approached doing that soundtrack in a way of, if not skepticism, sort of not necessarily appreciating uh, the brilliance of Koji Kondo's music. And by the end, I think she really uh, knew what made it tick. And so that's what's so cool is when you hear her going for... Uh, Mario soundtracks it's, in the future. It's really it's too authentic. bad
1: that she didn't keep going. I think she retired a little bit early uh, because at that point she was kind of this expert of Mario music. I would love to hear yeah. what she did. Well, yeah, and so know, many for ways. like Galaxy or something, I'd Absolutely. love to hear new compositions. Well, yeah, from and her.
0: the thing that's so incredible is this first Super Mario Kart is probably the best soundtrack in the whole Mario mm-hmm. Kart series. I mean, like, this is so, definitely, it's almost yeah. canon with the mainline Mario series. That's how it's good
1: so it is. It's so good, yeah. So uh, we're going to now move on to one of the most, um, prolific female composer today. This is Machiro Yamani. She is known, obviously, most of all for the Castlevania series. She did so many games in this series, including probably the most famous and well-loved Castlevania Symphony of the Night. We're going to play a track from Castlevania Bloodlines for the Sega Genesis. Uh, Some other things that Machiro worked on was the Nemesis series, as well as the Ganbar Goemon series. So a lot of great work for Konami. Let's play a track from Bloodlines called The Prayer of a Tragic Queen, Stage 5. Five. This is so Castlevania-ish. This is from Bloodlines. You're listening to The Prayer of a Tragic Queen, Stage 5 for the Genesis, composed by Machiro Yamani. Such great part writing, such great counterpoint. I really love that rhythmic kind of retard at the
0: very end. the dun, 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 And then it goes yeah. right back to the loop. Very the exciting. The thing that's so impressive to me is... Uh, Machir Yamani is so uh, responsible for kind of advancing the series as far as its music you know when you look at a soundtrack like this like Bloodlines and then you go to something like Symphony of the Night Mm -hmm. there's such a profound change that occurs in the music and I really credit that to her, because here she really is hitting the old Castlevania on the head. All yeah. those sort of classical musical elements, and a lot of those sort of rhythmic motifs and almost cliches that are used so often. Yeah. What I love here is I feel like she's almost taking it a little bit more serious than some of the 8-bit composers. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with like quality. Like some of that 8-bit music is my favorite. She's just going further yeah, into the. It's Baroque interesting genre, that she's yeah. really kind of uh, committing to it in a little bit more intention and more serious and it transitions well into Symphony of the Night which is much more and I love
1: the Genesis instruments here I mean I think in some ways the really um, piercing biting um, very purposeful sounds of the FM chip work well for this kind of organ prelude music because you don't need to have a lot of subtlety. It's kind of in your face, and that right. that works really well for Genesis. Yeah, I
0: agree. Also, it's like the Genesis is sort of a foreign environment for Castlevania, yeah. so she really needed to uh, hit the nail on the head as far as the composition to make it fit... To make it fit in that series. Oh, sure. That's
1: a very good point. So now we're going to move on to, and this is fun having these composers back to back. Another composer that was um, known, made famous from her work from the first Castlevania game. This is Kinoyo Yamashita, or Yamashita. She, uh, wow, really has one of the strongest melodic gifts out of any composers I've heard in the video game world. So she originally composed, or she was made famous from the first Castlevania, which she composed with Sato Tereshima. Um, But after that, she went on to work on um, some freelance stuff. She worked on... What we're going to play is we're going to play a track from Mega Man X3 for the Super Nintendo. But she also did some great stuff like King's Valley 2. Um, She was a member originally of the Konami Kakeha Club. She even did something like Mark Davis Fishing Master, which we're a
0: big fan of on the podcast. Yeah, she's a legendary uh, video game composer. Probably... Power Blade? When I think of like... um, the main female game composers. I mean, the first people I think of is probably her in somebody Monsume. like Monami Matsume. Yeah. But... Yoko
1: Shimomura as well. Yeah, so we're going to play a track from Mega Man X3. This is one of my favorite tracks on the soundtrack. It's a really great example of her strong melodic gift. This is Gravity Beetle composed by Kenoyo Yamashita. What a solid piece of music. This is so great. You're listening to Gravity Beetle from Mega Man X3, composed by Kenoyo Yamashita. I think it's so cool how the original Mega Man X was very popular and well-received, but it was so many composers working on it. The second one was just Yuki Y, and the third one was just Kenoyo Yamashita. Mm -hmm. It's it's a really good choice. I think the second and third are better than the first, in my
0: opinion. Right. Yeah, as far as the music. Yeah, sometimes you get the issue of almost having too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh but, but yeah, did they did these composers incredible.
1: ever carry the t- the torch of that first game, didn't they?
0: Yeah, and what I think is interesting is especially Kinyo Yamashita, she really has such a reverence for the old Mega Man. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's such a big part of her composition is, you know, Castlevania and Mega Man are kind of similar compositionally. The thing is, Castlevania sort of makes its distinction in its reference to like classical music and trying to have those horror cliche elements. But they're both sort There's of still some inspired by stuff yeah that pop in the rock stuff. Yeah, I think it's so cool that at this point,
1: um, Kinoyo left konami and was a freelance composer and then capcom was like all right
0: join us I mean, Let, let's so do this fits on i think that team. that's so cool well and it's so important to say that she really established the castlevania sound it's funny we were just playing a track from machira yamani yeah but in many ways machira yamani is going for mm-hmm. a yamashita sound and uh, her soundtracks are so stellar like i remember sharing um some stuff from the power blade soundtracks Which on previous great. show and tells but That's all great. She's a wonderful composer. I think my favorite track from this game is Zero. The intro stage. Well, the Mm -hmm. Zero's theme also is probably my favorite. I also really like the intro
1: stage as well, the one that holds on that nine for a long time. That's great. All right, let's move on, folks. We're now going to move on to Machiko Naruke. She is known pretty much only, and this is a, a nice thing to be known for, for the Wild Arms series. She did almost all the music for this series. It's such a great series. I'm a really big fan of the Wild Arms series. Uh, We're going to play a track from Wild Arms 2, and this is a track called Field, the Barren Lands, composed by Machiko Naruke. This is a great piece of music. It's almost like this melancholy reggae feel. This is Wild Arms 2 Field, The Barren Lands, composed by Michiko Naruke. She really established this series in having its own sound musically. You know, a lot of it is modeled after some of the classic Western film uh, soundtracks. Yeah, that whistle definitely makes you feel like that. uh, But this is just, I don't know, really enjoyable. It's good background music for a game, but it also is something that is enjoyable just
0: to listen to. Totally. Beautiful melodies. I love how intently she's using uh, the PlayStation stuff. I mean, it's it definitely doesn't fall into that uncanny valley. No, it really doesn't. I mean, I know. Very she, intense. she
1: did some orchestral stuff, especially in the first game. There's some real orchestra tracks in, the, in this oh, series. Oh wow, nice. Um, if if you remember, but yeah, know all of it's really good. This is a great soundtrack. What some of you guys um, that are listening that maybe are really big Wild Arms fans, what do you think is your favorite Wild Arms soundtrack? I was trying to find which one I like. This one I really impressed me. So feel free to leave us a comment if you have a specific pick that you think is is particularly good. Yeah,
0: I'd love to hear more work
1: from her because she's, she's great. fantastic. All right, well now let's move on to Jun Chakuma. Now Jun Chikuma is such a fun composer. She is known as the Bomberman composer. She does all the great Bomberman soundtracks. Um, that's really what she's known for she's interesting because she actually studied a lot of Middle Eastern music she actually curates and runs a website um, of Middle Eastern music she studied with a lot of kind of famous composers and performers and that kind of music so she's really into that and you do hear that Absolutely. in her soundtrack super cool to it's, find out. it's really cool yeah that I found that out so she's all she also did the original Adventure Island not super but just Adventure Island and also the Wonder Boy series but yeah let's play a Bomberman track let's Play something from Bomberman 93 for the Turbo Graphics. Uh, me and Will had so much fun for years playing this game. This is a really fun game. Let's play Planet Quarry World One by Jun Shikuma.
0: Gosh, this one is so much fun! Such a great treat to have this on the playlist. This is our track of the week on our TG16 episode. Yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. This is Planet Quarry One One from Bomberman Ninety Three, composed by Jun Chikuma. And yeah, it's really interesting. In this section, you can hear that a uh, harmonic minor, which is such a signature. Yeah, the of Middle, Middle Eastern, Eastern influence.
1: And I was just talking about that, uh, specifically Tunisian style composition. Uh, I guess she studied under, studied under a few um, professors in composition. Um, at um, various institutes I, I believe in Turkey um, But yeah, she, she actually runs uh, Arabmusic.com Is a website that she, she runs So she's really into Arabic music uh, which, awesome. which is super cool uh, But yeah, this is such a fun She has a really quirky, interesting mix Of, of uh, composition for the Bomb Man series It's very fun and goofy Some of it is um, chaotic uh-huh. Um, which
0: really fits... You know, when you're playing a bomb, it's, it's
1: chaos, you know?
0: Yeah. It's very much like the multiplayer stuff... There were such a big multiplayer series especially in the yeah. 16-bit days because there weren't a lot of, one of great the best... multiplayer games that you could get you know yeah. up to six people playing I mean, playing.
1: Batman is one of the best longest longest running multiplayer series ever it's so much fun it holds up really well and they well. do
0: get pretty chaotic when you have yeah. all that stuff and I love the, the music really balances that sort of hectic chaos not too much dissonance there which I really like because mm-hmm. it always retains sort of a goofy fun nature but the melodies in this are so great and what I love is the type of music where it's not taking its too seriously yeah so it's not sort of glamorizing it's you know what's my it's other sort of playing through that. my
1: other favorite track from this soundtrack is the one that starts off with um yeah. that one is right. so cool well
0: and that that's sort of the little barman theme uh-huh. it's all she over she uses that
1: to great effect so cool uh, we're going to now move on to one of my favorite composers on this list today. This is Monaco Adachi. Not one of the most famous uh, composers today, but I'm a really big fan of her work. You'll know her from the soundtrack Riviera the Promised Land, which came out for the Game Boy Advance, as well as the WonderSwan. She also did the original Summon Knight, as well as Summon Knight Swordcraft Story 1 and 2, which I'm a big, big fan. I think in the future we might do some sort of uh, episode on those two soundtracks, but I'm going to play a track from Summon Knight. Swordcraft Story 2 for the Game Boy Advance. And this track was composed by Monaco Adachi. This is On to Battle. That is so baller. Oh my gosh, you're listening to On to Battle from Swordcraft Story 2 for the GBA, composed by Monaco Adachi. Really one of the most exciting, innovative uses of this very limited hardware. Wow, she's an absolute master. It keeps going and going and going. It's like Sonic music times 10 as far as the exciting interaction between all the colors. It's brilliant. It's just, oh my gosh, is it fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so many times we hear music on the GBA, you know, great musically, but it's being kind of held back by the she's sounds. She's embracing of the, the sounds here. Well, and she's kind of just like passing them by by having mm. music with such a level of intricacy and it's moving at such a blistering pace. At least all those underneath sort of arpeggiated lines are just going at a blazing fast speed.
1: I would love to hear a remix of this.
0: Yeah. And in, again, it's like, it's using that stuff for intention. I think one of my favorite things they do on the GBA is using those more eight bit PSG esque mm-hmm. kind of sounds uh, Legacy channels them, from the Game Boy. Yeah, making them sort of sound uh, as if they're like intentionally like yeah. digital by Electronic. having like a brass instrument for the lead. But then mm-hmm. by having that, yeah, ged- when they d- d- use d- it <laughs> like this crazy like synth line, it doesn't really evoke the sound of any kind of earthly instrument. Yeah, it's Monaco Adachi has cool. some
1: of my favorite like part writing in video game music. Just all of her exciting did and her arpeggios. Everything is so thoughtfully yeah, you can composed. Tell, yeah, she takes oh. a
0: long time to like uh craft these specific arpeggios, but it really pays off because then you know you don't have to use that many channels and you get yeah. such a lush uh soundscape. What a master. So now we're going to move on to another
1: Monaco. This is fun I wanted to put these composers back to back uh, this is Monaco Hamano which is known primarily for her work in the Metroid series she worked so much with Kenji Yamamoto her very first project was when she was 24 years old for
0: Super Metroid. Gosh that's yeah. crazy that and this is her first game. She also though but she did uh Link's Awakening she yeah. composed a large number of the tracks, which in was that a big game, deal for is, her at that time. Uh, that's a huge personal favorite of mine. There's mm-hmm. some great stuff, and she worked with Kazumi Tataka, another sort of master of that mm-hmm. Game Boy generation. But yeah, Super Metroid. This is one of the premier, best soundtracks. Yeah, and on she the did Super some Nintendo. great stuff. Kenji
1: Yamamoto did more tracks. He did all the really famous, like well loved stuff. You know, all the Star themes and stuff like that. What I will Meg say though, Moore, a sport. lot of the
0: stuff that she's done is some of the yeah, most acclaimed. She she did the, in the
1: opening. Game. She also did all the Meridia themes. She did the ending. And this thing
0: we're playing, the Ridley's theme. This is the boss, the main boss and theme. And this has endured for the entire series. Mm-hmm. Practically every single game... Uh, since Super Metroid has used this melody.
1: So, yeah, Monaco Hamano also worked on um, Metroid Zero Mission, Metroid Prime 2 and 3, I believe. Donkey Kong Country Returns. She's a part of the team uh, that Kenji Yamamoto yeah. works with. Well, so, and she
0: worked on Metroid Fusion without yeah. uh, Kenji Yamamoto. He, I think, he, I think he did sound closer. effects, I believe. Oh, he yeah. did sound design, so, but uh, she did music. So let's play Super
1: Metroid, Ridley's Theme, composed by Monaco Hamano. <music> we really one of the most um, advanced uses of volume and dynamics on the Super Nintendo to create something that is very ominous and scary. It's absolutely brilliant. What a great um, (laughs) first project for this composer. You're listening to Ridley's Theme from Super Metroid. This is composed by Monaco Homano. She did a lot of the boss themes in this game. What yeah, this a great This is such an track.
0: advanced composition. I'm so impressed that she was only 24 years yeah. old when she did this. This is one of the most enduring themes of the entire Metroid series. Yeah. And it all comes down to, you know, so many times in video game music, there's a theme like this and composers just kind of phone it in. You know, we need something rocking, like a, a few note riff and that's it. But the things that she does with dynamics and harmony, like these, this melody is so intricate, no, no. You know what I think is, is another an, One of the
1: biggest ways to evoke tension In surprise is with meter changes With surprising yep. meters This is in 5.4 primarily Which is a meter that you think of from something like Mission Impossible But it's a meter that is a little bit of tension filled just inherently right. of itself because it's one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three. It's a little yeah. bit surprising. But the B section is in six, eight. Right. So she changes the meter, which again creates more tension. But
0: it feels so natural. Again, it's like a lot of times in uh video game music, there's tracks like this that are doing, you know, those meter changes. There's doing those mm-hmm. kind of uh, simple rock type riffs, yeah. but there's just nothing inspired about it. They're definitely not something that would last with you, but somehow, you know, this was so thoughtfully composed that that melody is so iconic to people. It, that that B section in 6-8, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very dun, dun, interesting... Dun, dun, it's, a, it's such a specific dun, dun, series of sort of chromatic notes, but it's kind of like we were talking about that Koji Kondo example in Mario 3 of that uh, atonal kind of riff in the Fortress theme, but it's still memorable. It's like, kind of most reminds people me sing that b section this actually kind of reminds me of some
1: early mario boss themes too yeah uh well, and great and nintendo
0: that boss riff music. is so great dink dink, dink oh it's dink, just dink, such a classic dink, dink. riff yeah well yeah something that's really cool also is uh, a funny little story about this game uh that when you die in this game what happens is like samus's suit explodes and you can see like her silhouette it's really kind of powerful oh yeah and this kind is of a scary. cool story yeah and uh Something that originally, early in development, I read in an interview with Kenji Yamamoto, is that uh, originally they used voice samples of Monaco Homano Yeah, like, she recorded. She the voice recorded like dying. the sound of dying. But apparently, they said in uh, accompanied with the images, it like was too sexual, so they <laughs> took the it out of the game. sounds of her
1: moaning. I would that would be so interesting if they left that in. That would be this big cultural folklore. Yeah. people would be always talking about that. But they yeah. luckily they had the foresight to take that out. So let's move on to Junko Tamiya. Wow, really one of our favorite composers on this podcast. You'll know Junko from Street Fighter 2010, Little Nemo the Dream Master, Bionic Commando, Strider, and many more. We're going to play a track from Little Nemo the Dream Master. Uh, I think we played this a while back, but oh, such a great track. Let's play Nightmare King Battle, composed by Junko Tamiya.
0: track is called Nightmare King Battle from Little Nemo the Dream Master composed by the legendary 8-bit composer Junko Tamiya
1: <laughs> wow she's one of our favorites this is God, this badass. part is my favorite it's so good dang, 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 dang. the bass line yeah. the triplets the portamento, it rocks. She
0: has such a great use. This part
1: sounds like an alarm is going yeah. off, doesn't it?
0: Well, she has such a great use of that NES. You know, I'd say outside of uh, Tim and Jeff Fallen, mm-hmm. she's one of my favorite 8-bit composers as far as sort of pushing, pushing the boundaries... Of, you know, sound and music And really getting it to kind of shred and rock
1: Particularly on Street Fighter 2010
0: I would say, Well, And the thing that I'll say is I love the Fallen Brothers And Tim Fallen specifically But, you know, sometimes that stuff Really kind of gets in your face And Mm -hmm. it's really trying to make you aware Of the fact that they're pushing the boundaries But what I like about someone like Junko Tamiya Is she's also not afraid to have music That just sort of fits functionally And doesn't need to get kind of blistering. Well,
1: another thing um, in No Nothing I, you guys know we love the Fallen Brothers, but Junko, to me, has a much um, stronger sense of melodic flair. She, she, right. she is able to craft melodies a little bit stronger.
0: Than, yeah, which I think um, sort of allows of it to be sort of these classic 8-bit themes oftentimes. And this soundtrack yeah. in particular, Little Nemo the Dream Master, is very kind of, um, I guess I'd call it like a cult video game soundtrack because it's very kind of well-received and mm-hmm. really popular. But the game wasn't very popular. Okay. And not a lot of people that aren't really hardcore into video game music are really aware of it, but amongst that community, you know, this soundtrack is legendary and so, so good. I'm really glad that we're able to play a track from this composer because she is one of our favorites here on the podcast. She rocks. She rocks hardcore. Alright, folks, we're now going to move on to
1: Yuka Tsujioko, a Nintendo composer that is known for the Fire Emblem series. Some people equate her to the female Uimatsu. Uh, really, when you think about how much music she created for the series um, and did a great job of fitting it to the visuals and to the to the gameplay experience—that's uh, a very kind of worthy comparison here. So yeah, this is Sujioko. We're gonna play a track from the Super Nintendo game Fire Emblem: Saisen no Kaifu, which I believe was the fourth game in the series. Let's play a track we have yet to play so far on this show. This is Chapter Six: Inheritor of the Light. <laughs> Awesome, you're listening to Chapter 6, Inheritor of the Light. Uh, from Fire Emblem, Saisa no Kaifu Composed by Yuka Tsujioko Yeah, there's a lot of other really good tracks In this soundtrack that we're probably going to play in the future This was one that, in our Fire Emblem episode For Nintendo Month, was it this previous year Or the last year? Um, Will had the opportunity to, to l- w- listen And whittle down this soundtrack, but Great soundtrack.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed it And what, something that's so cool is this Composer uh, has really She was the primary composer for Practically every game in the series yeah. From the beginning. It's super impressive and she's really uh she really deserves a lot of credit for sort of establishing the style of the music of Fire Emblem and I think it's something that those two composers Rai Kondo and Hiroki Moroshida definitely took notice of when they were working on the most recent Fire Emblem Awakening and sort of how they expanded well they used
1: that. her main theme all over the game, right. the game as well but yeah yeah wow I mean so many classic themes that come out of the series that you hear in the Smash Brothers series. Um, and yeah, I mean, as far as Nintendo goes, really one of the longest running female composers in that company. So now we're going to move on to Ayoki Mori. And she was a Capcom composer known uh, for her work on the very first game, Ghosts and Goblins. She created that famous theme that was used not only in later iterations of the series, but just in other video games. Like I think there's even like a Mega Man game
0: that uses that theme almost as an Easter egg. So yeah, yeah it's wonderful. It, this, this whole uh series you know ghouls and ghosts ghosts and goblins very inspired by castlevania is one of the most yeah. challenging series around so, but there's some great music so
1: yeah aoki mori we're actually going to play the version from the second game the arcade game ghouls and ghosts but this is the same theme that mori wrote in the first game so let's play that right now this is stage one from ghouls and ghosts originally composed by aoki mori You're listening to Stage 1 from Ghouls and Ghosts, uh, but this theme was originally composed for Ghosts and Goblins by Aoki Mori. This soundtrack, Ghouls and Ghosts, was worked on by another female composer, Tamayo Kawamoto. She's a great composer as well, and she did the Stage 2 theme, I found out, which we played last week. It wasn't a Tim Fallon composition. It was a Kawamoto composition. Oh, cool. So she did that track. Um, But yeah, this one was originally from the first
0: game, right, Well, Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, this composer is also fantastic. It's sort of Nice knockout two female composers In one track (laughs) but uh, Yeah, because this is an Ayako Mori composition But this arrangement Is done by Tamayo Kawamoto So it's kind of cool It's in a little bit of a different kind of meter and feel And I think it really almost does justice to the sort of classic nature of that melody almost a little more than the original uh, Ghosts okay. and Goblins version.
1: Now the Ghosts and Goblins that came out for the arcade as well or just the NES? Um, it came
0: out for the arcade. Okay, cool. Uh, they both came out for the arcade. So the first one Ghosts and Goblins was ported to the Nintendo and then uh, ghosts Our uh, ghouls and ghosts. ghosts was ported to the super nintendo as super ghouls and ghosts and yeah, yeah mary yamaguchi worked on that one so very cool
1: lots of great female composers in this series all right now let's move on to this week's track of the week Man, so excited to play this track. Um, this is from Rockman and Forte, which was a Super Famicom soundtrack that was composed by a few great composers, most notably Neoshi Masuda did the bulk of the compositions. He did the opening stage, really some of the best tracks in this game. But we're going to play a track that was composed by Akiri Kaida, who was a great female composer that worked on Capcom. Some of the other things she did was Breath of Fire 3 for the PS1, Dino Crisis. As of late, she did Okami. She worked on that with some other composers, as well as Mega Man 10. She contributed a little bit. Oh, nice. So this is a track that she did. This is Ground Man. One of the most signature, interesting, unique pieces of music in this game was very influential to me in one of my tracks called Man Rock Stage 1. Such a great piece of music. Here is Ground Man from Rockman and Forte. interesting dissonant chords there. Uh, She really is able to kind of carry the torch of a lot of the kind of jazz influence that I think Naosha Matsuda brought into this project. Um, it's effortlessly interwoven. All these composers do a great job of making it feel like one cohesive sound. This is Ground Man from Rockman and Forte.
0: Yeah, this is uh, so good. Kaida is a wonderful composer. And really, to me, this is one of the quintessential tracks of Rockman and Forte. As far as establishing that jazz sound, this really gets kind of dirty and dissonant. I love it. it one has thing a great I'm so melody. impressed
1: with, this is so reminiscent of the opening stage, which is composed by Naoshi Masuda. Yeah. It's crazy. A lot of the same augmented chords. Yeah. It's just so similar. The melody
0: is fantastic also. It's one of those great kind of Capcom melodies that just sounds, you know, a lot like Street Fighter. Yeah,
1: one of the th- reasons why all these tracks... Um, really share a lot of cohesion is I do think that Masuda was the one that did more of the implementation and maybe did a little bit more of the kind of the rhythm section bass writing and stuff to make it feel cohesive, but melodically she did such
0: a great job in this track. It's so interesting. Well, yeah, you can tell like this bass part isn't as active as a lot of his bass yeah. parts are super like melodic and out there, which yeah. is awesome. So yes, yeah, speaking of great Capcom composers, now we're going to play our second track from the legendary <laughs> Manami Matsume. Manami Matsume. the only composer, we're featuring two tracks from today,
1: and actually, which is a little different than um, what we talked about earlier. How we're just doing the most famous stuff. We did that with Mega Man. We played in with the Mega Man track, but now we're going to play a soundtrack that a lot of you may have never heard before. Of course, obviously, you may be assuming, oh, he's going to play another UN Squadron track. But instead of playing, because we've played almost every good track from that game, let's play a track from a soundtrack, an arcade soundtrack that was composed right around the same time as UN Squadron and shares a lot of similar compositional elements. This is Dynasty Wars, came out for the arcade, composed by Manami Matsume. Wonderful soundtrack. Let's play a track called Hulaguan Stage 5.
0: This track is Hooligan from Dynasty Wars, composed by Minami Matsume. There's so much to say about this one. Something that I uh, learned about the way that she writes is, um, you know, she really spends a lot of time crafting melodies, and she has this really nice grand piano in her house where she usually does most of her composition. And what's interesting is you see like footage of her like playing some of her themes. She plays them way slower without any of sort of the rhythmic elements, and she just focuses on the chords and melody. Yeah, which is why I think her melodies are so good. Because I agree. I think inside every great Mega Man or UN Squadron track. You could slow it down And just play the melody And chords on piano And be very but lush And the beautiful. reason why
1: I love arcade music Is that she's able To keep the form going And add the solo section yeah. Which you don't Primarily hear In console music You hear a lot more In arcade music Longer forms Stretching it out longer Kind of rewarding The player With these musical Easter eggs If they're still surviving Yeah this chord so progression Here is
0: such great jazz Recently I've been Getting into a lot of Old sort of jazz standards And like uh, Torch songs and stuff And they're um this really reminds me of the song Autumn Leaves. Yeah, some similar chord changes have uh, been beautiful progression, and yeah, I love that you know, you can have that sort of rock section transform into something more jazz, but so yeah, yeah, her I was melodies just, are fantastic. I was
1: happy to um, introduce that soundtrack on the podcast. We haven't played it before, and really not any more obscure than UN Squadron. Those two games are fairly similar as far as how popular they were. I don't think both of them are super famous, but we love UN right. Squadron so much. So now let's move on to the only Western composer we're featuring today. This is Evelyn Fisher, and she is now known as Evelyn Novakovich uh fisher was her maiden name she worked on donkey kong country and donkey kong country 3 diddy kong's double trouble now david wise did most of the tracks for the first game she did a couple she did the bulk of donkey kong country 3 so that's what we're going to be focusing
0: on today well, and she did some very notable tracks in the original Dugging ice cave Country. Chant. well and for example damn Dun, dun, right. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so we're going to play a track from Donkey
1: Kong Country 3. She worked at Rare and she would go on to do some voice acting. She actually was the voice of Joanna Dark yeah. in Perfect Dark. But yeah, we're going to play a track from Donkey Kong Country 3. This is Frosty Frolics, composed by Evelyn Fisher. <laughs> very vibey and atmospheric track. You're listening to Frosty Frolics from Donkey Kong Country 3, composed by Evelyn Fisher. Wow. You know, in some ways, she even gets a little bit more sophisticated, inauthentic to, like, electronic music than even Dave does. I mean, this soundtrack is so atmospheric and much more experimental, I would say, than the first two soundtracks. She really gets interested with these very small rhythmic fragments that are repeated almost across like over the bar to create really kind of interesting rhythmic dissonance in the soundtrack. And in general, the soundtrack- Some polyrhythms. Yeah, some polyrhythms. This soundtrack goes in directions that is very surprising for the Donkey Kong Country series. There's a couple tracks, um, most notably Waterworld, that get very tragic and sad, yeah. which is interesting, but... This is one of the most uh, famous tracks. There's sort of
0: definitely a melancholy sound to a lot of her music. But what I like is she is sort of continuing the style of Dave Wise's music. I think Mm. the biggest difference is just their own personal compositional differences, you know? Yeah. Because they both are going for that kind of vibey atmospheric stuff and also that sort of fun kind of jazz stuff. I feel like Um, for
1: Evelyn, I miss a little bit of the strong, catchy melody, though. Where I always get in Dave's
0: even his vibey stuff. I don't know. I I really like her melodies. I mean, some of the best melodies in the series are from Evelyn Fisher. I think it's just more that they're not necessarily as happy. That could and be. They're they're also not as like cool with Dave Wise's stuff. Yeah. Somehow it makes you want to smile because it's either happy or it's like really kind of fun. That's true. But with her stuff, it's a little bit more serious and almost like adult, which, which is I so also interesting. Really though, appreciate because this game, one of the
1: characters is this baby. You would yeah. think the music would be more goofy. Well, in this I think
0: the 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 whole thing is the video game music, especially in this time, is all about creating the atmosphere. And so it's supposed to feel like you're a kid in this big world. So I think it is trying to create this sort of kind of intimidating setting. And a a lot of the environments in this game are kind of big and um, a little scary. Well, now we're going to move on to Yoko Shimomura,
1: um, arguably the most famous and successful female video game composer ever. She um, is known for Street Fighter II. The Kingdom Hearts series, uh, Mario RPG, which is what we're going to play today, Final Fight, and many others. So yeah, yeah let's play track from Mario RPG. This is Still the Road is Full of Dangers. that piece puts a smile on my face. You're listening to Still the Road is Full of Dangers from Mario RPG composed by Yoko Shimomura. Man, this, um just like instrumentally as far as the, the sample pack she chose really nails the Mario. It feels like I'm in Mario, you know, the yet universe, right? One yeah. thing that I think is interesting is I hear some classical influence in some part writing that is reminiscent of future games in the Mario series, which I think is so impressive. She Absolutely. was able to have this cross because this is a crossover game. It's an RPG game. So she was able to kind of establish some um, new traditions, but also make it feel at home
0: with Koji's stuff. Moore. It's just a legend. Like honestly, even if she only only did Street Fighter 2, she would still be a legend, because yeah. that's one of the most popular video game soundtracks of all time. But the fact that she's done that, she's done every Kingdom Hearts she's soundtrack. She's still very active. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just incredible. She does the
1: Mario and Luigi series She does
0: all the, yeah, the, all the Mario and Luigi games. She's worked at Square. She's worked with Capcom, with Nintendo, like, she's incredible radiant historia which is yeah. a great soundtrack and she's done some more yeah some of those more kind of horror games we've played some of her music on parasite more, eve Yeah. parasite eve which is some scary stuff she's such a versatile composer uh but she does have those classical music chops absolutely so yeah you know we've had a whole
1: episode on yoko if you haven't heard that feel free to go back to that that was like season two i believe we had our yoko episode All right, now let's move on to an interesting choice. This is Yuki Kajiura. Now, Yuki Kajiura is... You know how, guys, we played that track from... Earlier, Wild Arms 2. This is that, and this are the only kind of quote modern tracks we're playing today. Most of it is retro. This is a slightly more modern track. She's a composer that is known primarily for her her just huge work on the anime. She does so many Japanese anime soundtracks, and as you guys know, a lot of those are turned into video games. So she's done a lot of great work in the video game world as well. She's known for the Xenosaga series. We're gonna play a track from Xenosaga Episode Three. She also did Blood the Last Vampire. Uh, This is Yuki Kajiura. Yeah, we're going to play a track from Xenosaga Episode 3. It's it's also called Also Sprock Zarathustra. That's the subtext of this game. We're going to play a really interesting, listen to the rhythms of this piece. This is an orchestral track called We've Got to Believe in Something. Here we go. This is a great track. Such a strong rhythmic motif that is carried and elaborated upon on this whole track. This is We've Got to Believe in Something from Zeno Saga Episode 3, composed by Yuki Kajiura. This is an immediate track. As soon as I heard this, I liked it right away. Yeah.
0: Great rhythms um, Wonderful string samples Great production elements A fantastic melody uh, And just very infectious uh, Things happening with the chords And that key change that happens Very early Mm -hmm. on Also it just sort of establishes That that rhythmic undercurrent with the strings is going to be something that is manipulated. I really like it.
1: I think because Kajiura had so much work that she did on these animes, she had to get really good with um, string sampling in these libraries. This game actually came out in 2006. This sounds pretty good for that era. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, so I mean, I think because of her work in all those other mediums, she was forced to get really good with production, and she totally does, so... That's great. We have a couple more tracks today, guys. I'm really excited about this next track. Let's go back to Nintendo, and we're going to play a track from Yumiko Konki. Now, she was this composer that I'm so interested in, and I wish that she did more, but she pretty much only did two games, and they both happened to be very good. She did F-Zero... As well, she worked on that collaboratively with another composer, but she also did Star Fox 2, the great canceled game that, you know, I think is so good musically and She's never incredible. saw the light of day. I, She's yeah, so I really
0: good. wish she would have heard more.
1: Yeah, she. both of these were collaborative soundtracks, but this is a track she did. This is Battle Against Mirage Dragon. It's a battle track that comes later in the game, and I think it's very sophisticated and very cool. So please enjoy Battle Against Mirage Dragon from Star Fox 2. we I love the brass call and response you're hearing there. Really interesting stuff. You're listening to "Battle Against Mirage Dragon" from Star Fox Two, composed by Yumiko Konki. I hear a lot of similar instruments and compositional techniques from Elodard, which is that great theme from Star Fox Two. Right. I love the sample set that they're use that is used in this game.
0: Well, yeah, it's the same ones from the original Star Fox, which mm-hmm. gives it that cohesion. I really wish this game would have seen the light of day. Yeah. But yeah, gosh, Yumiko Konki, she's such a talented composer and she's responsible for some of the best themes in f-zero yeah like such as Mute City, Mute City or City. silence which yeah. are some of the best themes in the game and Absolutely, it's crazy to think that she didn't have like a huge long-running career in games but i'm so curious to hear more from this composer i know
1: me too i would love some of these composers that are kind of old and retired to come back you know and do like a new f-zero or a new star fox and Gosh, oh man it'd be, that'd be great be great Now we're going to move on to the last track today we're going to talk about. This is from Mega Man 5 for the NES, and it was composed by Mary Yamaguchi, the last big name that I think we really need to talk about today, other than the composer we're going to play out with. Um, Mary Yamaguchi, known for some of her work with the Mega Man series, Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse, Breath of Fire... Final Fight 2, and like we said before, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. She was a great sound designer on the Super Nintendo. She did sound design on Super Ghouls and Ghosts, some new compositions, sound design and implementation on UN Squadron for the Super NES. She was the one who picked all the instruments for that. Most of the music obviously was already composed by Manami Matsume, but she's also a great composer in her own right. So she did by herself Mega Man 5 for the NES, which I happen to love. So let's play Dr. Wiley's Castle Stage. Here we go. much guys for joining us today at our look at some of the best female video game composers um, ever and we had such a great time really it's a great excuse to play some of the most classic tracks from the most classic series that everyone knows and loves with a couple rare things that maybe you guys haven't heard before we had a great time thanks a lot for joining us today. Absolutely
0: this is such a fun episode just an excuse to play some great video game music as always one thing I wanted to give a quick little shout out and honorable mention to is there's two composers that we didn't play that we were thinking of uh, Nobu Tanaka and Asuka Oda. Both Nintendo composers. Both composers composers that have worked on the Mario Kart series. I know we played um, a Soyo Oka track today, but Asuka Oda actually worked on Super... Worked on New Super Mario Brothers with Haji Mukai and Twilight uh, Princess. Twilight Princess with Toru Minagishi And Min- Shinobu Tanaka did Mario Sunshine, Sunshine mm-hmm. and work with Kenta Nagata on yeah, Double I think Dash. Part of the reason is
1: a lot of them, those collaborative soundtracks, it's hard to know which tracks. Yeah. Also, I, I don't think, you know, if, it, if it's up against them versus Soya Oka, I mean, I think Soya yeah. Oka's more talented. Yeah, no, that, that those were some honorable mentions. One thing we just want to say is the track we're playing out with today is a Miko Ishikawa track. You know, we guys, we recently had that Falcom episode. Miko Miko. Miko Ishikawa definitely needs to be on this episode, so we're going to play out with a beautiful track of hers from Legend of Heroes 2, but one thing I wanted to mention is tomorrow my album Sonic-esque Volume 4 comes out, you know, technically tonight at midnight if you're listening to this on Monday, so I'm really excited to um, share that with the world. It's been a long, long time, a lot of work, a lot of love put into that, so I can't wait for you guys to hear it.
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful soundtrack. It turned out really fantastic. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, especially if you're fans of the previous albums. I think There's a lot of, uh, in addition to some great uh, reference and homage to Sonic music, I think there's sort of a lot of uh, reverence for the first three albums, and I think there'll be some nice fan service if you guys are familiar with those albums. Oh, thanks, Will. That means a lot. So yeah, next week we
1: have Show & Tell 11, which I'm already really excited
0: for. Yeah, join us next week. We're going to have some great picks, and I know we gave some teasers in this episode of some stuff for next week, but... There's already tracks that I yeah. just can't wait to talk it's gonna about. It's going to be so much fun. So please enjoy Game Over from Legend of
1: Heroes 2 by Miko Ishikawa. And have a great week, guys. My name is Carl Brugeman. And my name is Will Brugeman. Catch you later. Peace out.